Welcome to the Age Group to Professional Triathlon Podcast. My name is Brian. I'm the Age Grouper. And my name is Kaylee, the Pro. Our mission is to help people go from confused to confident in their first few triathlons. Let's dive into today's episode. So what do we have prepared today? Well, I actually wanted to start off by saying thank you to all of our listeners. We have officially reached over a thousand listens Um, So that is incredible. And I'm so happy that people are listening and hopefully enjoying and coming back each week. So thank you guys. Yeah, thanks to everybody who's checked us out. We have a thousand just on Spotify alone. And we're also on Apple Podcasts. We do the video on YouTube. So if you're just listening to us, but you want to check us out on YouTube, feel free to check us out there as well. So thanks to everybody who's tuned in so far. Let us know if we can make it better. So what's for today's episode? So I think we actually wanted to start off a little by um, kind of how we approach goal setting in triathlon and kind of how that evolves over time. Um, I don't know, maybe going from where we started with it and kind of where we are now and kind of what we're looking forward to in the future. And then after goal setting, we'll get into some user questions and we'll talk about any other fun topics that come up along the way. So let's dive into it because I think goals in triathlon often come from, this is more talking about for me personally, so this will all be anecdotally, but I think like hopeful ignorance. Most people who get into it, or at least myself, don't realize how hard triathlon is until you experience your first one and it really humbles you. So I think I aimed really high and had to quickly adjust my goals down and then build up from there. Yeah, I think it's definitely something you you have to evolve with over time. But setting that first goal for your very first race is very important because it's kind of what gets you up each morning and kind of keeps you pushing through the training. So uh, it's definitely important. But like you said, it's something you have to reassess pretty frequently. Yeah, I know for me, I set out to want to be really good right away. And that just wasn't a reality because of my lack of experience in pretty much all three disciplines. I think even completing a triathlon for someone who's never done one is an accomplishment. Yeah, I think that that's actually probably where most people start is just reaching the finish line and everything, hopefully in in one piece. So yeah, I think you had these really high expectations going into it, which is also not a terrible place to to start either. I think it kind of, it made you work hard going into that first race. But I think for a lot of people, it's just kind of accomplishing the goal of doing a triathlon, which is kind of impressive in itself. Yeah. And people start off with different distances too. I think people sometimes are attracted to the Ironman brand and they say, I want to complete an Ironman And then some people are like, well, I want to start with a 70.3. And then some people like us, we started with an Olympic distance. Yeah. I mean, I think at least for me getting into it, I I wanted to do the Ironman, like the name, the, the brand, the, the idea of an Ironman is kind of what my original goal was. Uh, And then the, us doing Olympic to, to us was a, a baby step getting there. But even, even after that first one, I think a sprint may have been even better to have started with. Uh, I think that the, the Olympic is a, it's a long race. If you haven't ever raced for over two hours before. 
which is something I also didn't have that perspective. It's just like the sheer amount of time it takes to do a different, like starting, I guess, with an Olympic. But I mean, that's a long time to be working out. What's funny is your first goal was a full Ironman. And now you say you're not even interested in racing a full Ironman. Why did that goal evolve and change? Was it just as you learned more about the sport? I think for me, it's learning a little more about the sport, but also about myself. And I'm not someone who likes to do something I like not full out, I guess. I, I like to be good at stuff. So once I did my first one and I kind of got a taste of, okay, maybe maybe I could be good at this. I decided I wanted to get good before building the distance. Yeah. Um, and that's just kind of where I am right now with my goals is I, I, I still want to do a full distance one day, but it's just in the future. Right. And I think for me, it's also about finding what excites you. And I think you can tell if a sprint distance will excite you or not by doing one first and then saying, okay, that was the sweet spot for me. I want to learn to go fast in a triathlon versus, okay, that felt a little short. I'm more into the concept of the ultra endurance aspect of doing something for a long time and maybe focusing on training more for an Ironman. And the thing that doesn't excite me about long distance or long course, as they call it, is it just seems like a nutrition battle at a certain point where you know, through a eight, nine, 10, 11 hour race, you're going at an extremely low intensity for a very long time and maintaining calories. Whereas for me, I would rather chip away at that really fast 10 K and break through that 300 watt barrier for an hour and things like that, that high octane, high effort for a short amount of time seems more fun to me than really long sustained effort when it's more of a nutrition battle. Yeah. You definitely like the, to feel the burn, which is something I, I definitely do not like. I, (laughs) I've never done anything shorter than an Olympic distance, which maybe we'll have a sprint coming up in August. We'll, we'll see about that. Maybe it'll be my first, but for me, I, I just, I hate that feeling of everything's on fire. And even with the Olympic distance now, it has gotten to a point to where that even feels like everything's on fire. So I, I definitely enjoy the 70.3, the longer kind of like you're saying it is, has the component of a nutrition battle, but I mean, I'm still pushing Watts that are, that are burning and are hard and, and I'm running paces that, you know, I would be pretty proud of to do just in a half marathon. So I think they all hurt. Don't get me wrong. Just in a different way. Yeah, because, you know, if I'm only pushing on the bike for an hour, by the time I'm at two and a half hours in a 70.3, my legs are still on a pretty similar level in terms of how toasted they are. And then I have to run a half marathon versus a 10K. Yeah. But the speed at which I'm going is much faster in an Olympic distance. So like I said, I think the reason I'm sharing my story is just because that's what excited me. And a listener might be excited by the exact opposite. Yeah, and it's definitely completely fine, but I think the the main point is just finding what that goal is and mm-hmm. then kind of building your training around that. Um and then as soon as you 
reach that goal, it's always important to then reassess and and set a a new standard because, I mean, it's just such a hard sport to train for and to keep yourself engaged with. And I think that having these goals is just super important to, I don't know, to get you to like, I don't know, just even through it all. Yeah. I couldn't imagine training without a goal. That's why I wanted to bring this up. I've been second or third step on the podium many times and I've never won a triathlon. I've done over 20 of them already, but I've never been that first step. So that nothing fires me up more than finally winning my first triathlon. And that's such a big training motivator to me. Yeah. And then you'll, you'll win it and then you'll, you'll have to ask yourself what's that, what's next. Yeah, definitely. And and then it's reassessing and going through the goal setting process. And what I brought up last podcast too was, is it really cool to be like a very top peak age grouper or for me, like a bottom of the end pro one day, like I, I might delay that transition or just focus on age group racing, depending on how things evolve and go. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely something to consider for, for people who are at that level of transitioning between I, I could step up to the pro field or I can stay here as an age grouper and, and win races because I mean, this was the exact dilemma I was in in December when I was trying to decide if I did want to step up because I, I knew I wasn't, I wasn't at a winning or even podium level as a professional. I mean, I'm still not there yet. But the thing is, is it was like, do I keep working my way up in a field of really tough competition or do you, you know, I guess in an age group race, you're racing against yourself the entire time. Like it's, you know, you see someone in front of you, but you don't know if they're in front of you or several minutes behind you. It's, it's all just like what numbers you can put out and just like staying in and doing your race. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's two different things. And I think that it could be pretty fun to just go out and, and win every age group race that you, you show up to make a name. Yeah, quite possibly. Like, uh, Matt Markhart crushed Kona, like dominated one Kona and now he's podiuming in full distance Ironmans in the pro field. Yeah. I mean, there's other age groupers too that, you know, even have sponsors as age group athletes because, because they are, they, their name is, is someone that people recognize when when they see them on a start list. So it's definitely an interesting goal to set and, and a really reasonable one to do. Yeah, I think either either path's good and either path's possible. I just think it's definitely worth bringing up because you took one approach. And I mean, not that I have the option to step up right now, but you know, I think if you train consistently for a long time and stay healthy... I think that many people have the potential to eventually get there if they keep their eye on the target. So if becoming a pro one day motivates you as someone who didn't have a swim, bike or run background, I, I still think it's possible. So just set that goal on your wall or on your vision board or on your mirror and keep chasing it. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely will help you stay motivated throughout your, your training, but do you feel like you have smaller set goals uh, for individual races uh, that that aren't these overarching high high goals, but smaller ones? Like for me, 
I, I set these small ones such as keeping my shoes on a bike for the T1 transition like that accomplishing that in a smooth way is like a teeny baby goal of mine, but I still haven't done it yet. Um, and I have several of those, but I, I don't know if you have small goals that you set. Yeah. Small ones. I mean, I, it's always like micro goals, macro goals and micro goals for a race are like, have a good swim. And I've swam this and raced this course last year. So I have a time and I'm sure that it's going to be around the same distance. So like, I know that I want to swim 10 minutes faster this year than I did last year. So that's like a small goal in a race. I know what my Watts were and I want to be 60 Watts higher this race. I know what my run was and I want to be five to six minutes faster. So those would be tremendous improvements. Yeah. I probably won't hit them all, but I'm aiming for them. So it, it helps me. It sort of guides me in a race. When do you start thinking about these goals going into the races? Like, is this something you think of just the night before or have you kind of planned it out weeks leading into it? I visualize my races a lot. I, I think them through start to finish so many times before the race happens because there's so many elements to it. So on race day, even though it's not exactly as I imagined, it's just sort of like hitting the play button. I feel like I've lived that day so many times because I've thought through the race that I know like what it's going to feel like looking at my power meter after I'm fatigued from a swim and being like, okay, th these Watts feel hard and I need to break through that pain barrier to get there. Like, and okay, my legs are absolutely on fire after this bike and I need to get to that sub six per mile pace to, to get rolling here. Like yeah. I've, I've, I've visually seen all of those moments. So when they happen, they're not a surprise. Not every time the body listens, but they're not a surprise to me because I've seen them. And in all of my biggest accomplishments in life, like when I won that video game contest when I was 19 or something like that out of 20 million people, I visualized winning a thousand times before I actually won. Wow. That's, I feel like that's such a, an impressive skill to have because I mean, one being able to do it. And then also for me, I, I can do it because it just makes me so nervous. Like I, I don't start to visualize my race until the night before. And I mean, for me, it's just purely, I, I just get nervous to think about it. So maybe you should try it. I know it's something that maybe <laughs> if I just like actually put myself in the situation over and over again, that it would make me less nervous going into a race. My rowing coach in high school was big on visualization and all of the top athletes in the NBA, the NFL and high performance athletes are key on visualization. And some of those techniques are like, you have to be really paying attention. Like when you, if you visualize through something, you tend to speed it up in your head. So you actually have to slow it down and watch it in real time and pay attention to those little details. And, you know, Greg Bennett, who's one of the top triathletes of all time, him and his wife, Laura, were just huge on visualization. Like they saw themselves in the Beijing 2008 Olympics probably eight years before they were actually there. Yeah. And sure enough, they made it there. Yeah, no, it's definitely, I mean, I've had coaches in the past tell me t to do visualization practice, like going into races, but again, it was just something I never... I never really tried to do. So I think it is a really good idea and pretty good advice to, to try out. Yeah. It, it helps me. And maybe that's why I'm less nervous than you going into races, Yeah, but I'm not be. racing on the same caliber as you either. Like a local Georgia race 
doesn't make me as nervous as if I had to race against Lionel Sanders and Sam Long, but I could still visualize that moment too. Yeah, I guess it is different. I I would like to think that I'm not actually nervous about who who is showing up to my races as much as I know I've said this before, but it's just the pain. The pain of the race is what makes me nervous. Yeah, the pain doesn't bother me. It's proven that women have more pain receptors than men, so maybe you experience more pain than me. You never know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it would be very hard to know that answer. Yeah, I don't think you could. <laughs> Maybe one day they'll like find a way to switch bodies, but <laughs> yeah. or if anybody would want to do it, but yeah, don't want to go off the too off topic, but yeah, yeah, I mean, before we get into some questions, I thought it'd be interesting just to hear like what is your main goal at the moment, like your high high goal, and then what would you say is a goal like a smaller goal going into your race this weekend? I think I covered the race this weekend really thoroughly in yeah. terms of the, the time shavings. But my goal this weekend is to win. Okay. And it probably, I mean, you know, we've looked at historical results. There's retired pros who race it. There's a lot of good people. So yeah, I'm going in with the mindset that I want to be top step. If it doesn't happen, I'm not going to be. And that's overall, over. right? Not to say true. Yeah, okay. of course. Yeah. All right. So that's a good one. Win, win the race overall. And then what is like your... I guess your your big goal, the one that's that gets you going every day. It's such a macro focus. Like I don't think in months, I mean, I'm thinking like this time next year, could I be close to getting top 10 in the nation at age group nationals? Yeah. Just working my way up. I think last year I was like middle of the pack. This year it'd be cool to be like top 25%. And then, you know, by next year, is it possible to start getting close to like top 10 in the United States at, at a big national race? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, that's a big goal. I mean, that's a big high, high macro, like you said, goal. So yeah, it's simple. Simple isn't easy, but it's like stay healthy, train hard and consistently don't miss and do it for a very long time. The adaptations don't happen overnight and they're certainly not linear, but they happen. Yeah, well, I guess next year we'll we'll reassess goals and and kind of see where they they've evolved to by then. But yeah, I'm not where I thought I would be if I looked back on last year, like sitting here. But I also understand it more. It makes yeah. more sense to me as to why I'm where I, I'm at versus not at. Yeah, you get better at setting. Not I wouldn't even call them realistic goals as much as the highest attainable goal, if that makes sense. Because I would say neither of us are people who set realistic goals. I'm more of the person that sets realistic goals and you're more of the person who sets like high, the highest achievable goal. But I think that, you know, that's, that's kind of where we set because if you set a realistic goal, it doesn't feel like a goal. Just. Yeah. I always talk, uh, in a work setting, I talk benchmarks versus goals. Benchmarks are like a minimum standard that you'd be willing to accept for yourself, whereas a goal is something that you have to really reach for. Yeah, I think those are actually two great words to describe the two different levels of, of achievement. So The easiest way to figure out if you're reaching for a benchmark versus a goal is like, what would be a good 10K time for you? 
in your head? I guess in my mind, a good one, probably like a... At a local race. Like a 30, mid, mid 35, mid low 35. Right. And would, see, would you've, be good. you've already ran that though. Yeah. And I am proud of myself for it. So I'd say it was good. Yeah. See, now if you ran a 36, would you still be okay with that? I wouldn't be happy. Right. See, so what you identified when I said, what's a goal? was actually the benchmark. Your benchmark for yourself is a low 35. Yeah, I, I definitely think I think that you operate benchmark. more in benchmarks. Like you say, this is like what I'm aiming for, but it's also what I'm minimally acceptable. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Because that's... Whereas for me, I would also say I'd like to break 36, but that's a reach. That's a reach and a half. Yeah. And oftentimes I get to mile five and a half gasping and fall a little short. <laughs> So I think, yeah, I'm more like. You're the goal person and I'm the benchmark person. Yeah, right. And knowing the difference in your head helps. Yeah. And I, I think I'm also the person who, who will have a goal, but I don't like saying them out loud. Like Not even I, to me. I say my benchmarks out loud, even though I, I think I do set higher standards for myself in my mind. I just don't like to say them out loud. Yeah, I always think what your thoughts are become your words and then your words become actions and then your results are a result of your actions on a daily basis. So I like to talk a lot. I like people to know what I'm aiming for because it's another layer of accountability. Yeah, I mean, when we got started, I remember being scared to tell people we wanted to do an Ironman because it felt like as soon as we said that, that... It, it was in the world that we were going to do one and therefore we were going to do an Ironman at some point in our life. So, yeah. and here we are, we racing as a professional. We never said we'd do a podcast yeah. though. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where this true. came from. This was, <laughs> this is all honestly a way to be able to just kind of like record the journey and, and have a way to be able to talk about it. Yeah. So, yeah. It's fun. So what's next? Do you want to get think, into questions? Yeah, I think we have some questions. Um, Let's do an easy one first. So we have from Grant, question for our pod. What's the Ironman policy regarding refunds for when races are canceled like Montremblant? I assume most of the budget's already been spent on the event and there's not really anything to reimburse. Are people just out of luck? So if you want the detailed answer, I would suggest going to Ironman Withdrawals and Transfers website. Because yeah. there's flex options. Did you sign up for the insurance? Didn't you? But in general, there are three options for Ironman. There is a withdrawal. There is a deferral. And then there is a transfer. A withdrawal means you're stepping out. And if you do it before 45 days, you'll get a 50% refund. And if you do it within 45 days of the race, you'll get less. So this is going to be your option if you decide going in, not necessarily you're standing on the beach looking at the water, getting ready to go, and then they tell you to go back to transition over the intercom. <laughs> right. And that's okay. already, you're already there. So now we get into the deferral. So a deferral is defined as deferring to the same race next year. Okay. You kick the can down the road. Montremblant 70.3, 70.3.2024. Which I, I feel like a, a fair amount of people probably chose to do. Right. So you can defer or you can transfer. So let's say 
This is your scenario. You were at Montremblant, 70.3. You didn't get to race. Now you can transfer that credit to Augusta, 70.3, which is what you did, right? Yeah, that's what I did with my... So that's to a different race. And just keep in mind that if you transfer, if the other race costs more, then you'll have to pay the difference plus a new registration fee, which there is a chunk that is the fee for registration. Yes. Which... Do you know that if you were to defer to the next year, I'm guessing that one would just be... It should stay the same. Yeah. 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 I mean, I would assume if I was local to a race, I think I I would have probably just chose defer. But because obviously Canada is far away for me, I chose to just transfer the race entry to Augusta, which I was already planning on racing anyway. So it was... You know, kind of just an easy, hey, I'd like to just put it for this one and then pretty much register from there. So, yeah, if if you're racing Ironmans, they're a big investment compared to a local triathlon. So it's probably something you had planned out and budgeted for. And it really sucks to lose the flight cost, which we lost the Airbnb, which we lost the rental car, which we lost all of that stuff. But it's just if if you're planning and doing this sport, it seems that Ironman's policy is, hey, we invested the money sort of like Grant said in the area. I mean, COVID canceled a lot of races. This is the research that I did. And they gave people the option to just kick the can down the road, which is you're going to invest again in the travel and everything else. And that's just the nature of triathlon. Yeah. And it's something that it's frustrating and definitely not fun to have to deal with but like you said it's it's just something i mean it's an outdoor sport for multiple hours in the day so i I just feel like it's bound to have some sort of environmental weather issue you know at some point if you do it long enough so it was unfortunate but you know made the best of of what we had. I mean, I got the travel experience without any of the, the pain of the race. So I, I got that and, you know, I got to travel to Canada and see a beautiful part of the world. So yeah. You know. Check out our Montreal canceled episode. If you want to hear more about that, what's the next question? Yeah. So I, I thought this was a really great question, especially with your race coming up this weekend. So Katie asked, what is our process of getting ready for racing? Like how, how do we get everything put together to, I mean, do a race? Cause there's so many moving parts. Um, so yeah, I, I thought this was a really great question because we actually have come up with what I think is a really good strategy and helping keep us, um, on top of things as well as I, up to now, don't think we've ever forgot anything. So it's so far a tried true method. Yeah. Knock on wood. So we have a uh, a list that we like printed out forms. So we've we've made it and printed it out so that we have this checklist that has swim, bike, run, extra gear, and we even have a section for if the race is going to be cold and nutrition and nutrition. So we have that on our transitions YouTube, and then if you email us at kb.do.triathlon at gmail.com. We'll send it to you. Yeah. So we, uh, yeah, you can definitely access that because like I said, it has really, really helped us. And I thought we could go over a few of the, 
the like high high points on it. So for our swim, we always want to make sure we have our goggles. We like to pack swim caps just in case, you know, we do have the opportunity to get an open water swim before it. And if for some crazy reason they don't give us a cap, we have one. Um, and then if it's wetsuit legal, we will make sure that we have our wetsuit. I haven't raced in the swim skin yet, but I do now have one. So we have to make sure that's packed. And then from there, we're like, okay, we're, we're set with that. Um, and so after that, for the bike, I personally recommend bringing both your racing helmet. And if you have a separate helmet, that's just like your casual riding and you have the space for them. I think having both at races is really nice because if you're going to use your bike for transportation, you do not want to have to wear your space helmet <laughs> around, which is what I had to do when I was in Canada and it was just not fun. So I think making sure to have like your, your just like casual helmet is, is nice. Um, and then shoes, I wear socks. So we make sure we have those. And then I think any of the ancillaries, what are, I know you're really good with ancillaries for the bike. I don't think people are like, they don't have a notebook out listening to the podcast. The, the way we think about it, which you put very well is could I swim? Could I bike? And could I run? And yeah. if you can answer those three things as a yes, then you have enough to get started on your race day. And I guess that is the overall good question that you always ask me. And, and these little things are the things I try to think like, what are the absolute bare minimum that would get me through a triathlon? And with, with the swim and the run, it's super easy. Yeah. Those with are the, bike, the easy ones. I always say, could you bike? And you say, yep. And I say, well, do you have your cycling shoes? Because that is always like, I feel like that's the thing people forget when they, like if I go and drive somewhere to bike, like if I have a meetup, that's the thing I almost forget. Like I remember the helmet. I, I remember the bike, but like cycling shoes sometimes yeah, you those, forget that you have to clip in. Those do like slip my mind. Um, also sunglasses. For me, I have a hard time remembering those because my race helmet has a visor, but I take that off to do the run and I need sunglasses. It's safer to run in sunglasses if you're biking, but I could care less on the run if I have sunglasses. You, Yeah. So sunglasses are definitely, you don't have to have to complete the triathlon, but it, it's a luxury that I, I, it helps me feel more relaxed on a, on the run if I have them, so... But yeah. I do tend to forget them. Yeah. And I mean, you can add things to the list, but I would start with ours. Or if you have one, putting it in writing once on a computer and then reprinting it every time is what worked really well for us. So we did that template. Yeah. And I think we've actually like we spent a lot of time putting out literally everything you could possibly need for the race. And I don't think since then we've had to really add anything. Like, no. I think it's super important to, like, actually take the time to really think of everything from the first go. But, I mean, obviously, if you forget something, like, you can add it. But the goal is to not forget something. So, I think just making sure you spend the time um, thinking of every little thing that you could possibly need. I did not want to end the podcast without talking a little bit about your race this weekend. What's the distance, you know? Just a little bit more. Because I know... 
We did this one last year. It's about 45 minutes away from us. So it's like a relatively local race. Um, and it was a really fun one. I was a wetsuit legal last year. No. So was not wetsuit legal last year. And I think the bike is a little short. Is that correct? It's like 22 miles, but extremely hilly. So the time is almost the same. So the time's the same, but the the bike course is a little bit shorter distance wise. I know I made a wrong turn here last year um, and there's speed bumps going out. So that's always a fun, a fun (laughs) addition to a race with all the bottles flying everywhere. Um, But yeah, and I get to spectate it this year and my mom and my sister are going to be coming up. So Brian will have his own little cheer squad out there. I know mom might have her cowbell, so you'll be able to hear us screaming. Perfect. (laughs) But yeah, I know I did want to say last year, as much as you don't like to talk about it, it was both of ours worst swim ever. So I think that. Yeah, that's why I'm back for redemption. Yeah, it'll be such a good one to kind of to see where you are with the swim. But yeah, my pool times are much faster, but it has to translate and we'll see if it does. Yeah, no. And it's it's also fun with how local it is because we've kind of gotten to know some of the, the local triathletes and at least local to Georgia and um, South Carolina area. So it'll also be kind of fun getting to see some familiar faces uh, that we've kind of kept up with. And I know you, you kind of know who are the, who are the high hitters out there. So, yeah, I don't know all of them, but I know definitely I have some good competition going into it. So it'll be fun. Yeah. I think we'll give a race report after. Yeah. It's always fun to do, to do a race year two. So we'll see how it goes. Cool. And I will try to have some Instagram stories of it going. So I'm not sure how the signal will be out there, but as long as I have signal, I do plan to have it um, on my story. So if anybody is interested in following along and watching, I will hope to have that out for you guys. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Well, thanks everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Nice hanging with you. Yeah. We always like to to have this out to you guys on Friday. And if anybody is racing this weekend, good luck. Hope it all goes great. So yeah. We'll catch you next week. See you then. I forgot to clap at the beginning.